Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Well, today, if you're listening to this on Sunday, it's a bit of an exciting day, isn't it? Um, I'm very excited. I'm not a massive football fan. I mean, I do like football. I like it more for the banter. I'm Spurs, and most of the people I know are West Ham or Arsenal, and I just really enjoyed the insults, really. And also, my dad is a massive Spurs fan, and obviously England fan, and I just would love it for him, you know, if... uh, If we actually won tonight, I mean, that'd be pretty amazing. I've always watched, like, the international competitions. I remember um, Euro 96... Was that when he missed the penalty or was it 94 when he missed the penalty? And of course the New Order song, which is the best football song. I don't know why everyone keeps singing It's Coming Home. I mean, obviously that is also a very good football song, but it's all about the John Barnes rap for me. Anyway, I digress. If you are watching the football tonight, I hope you enjoy it yourselves and do it safely. And yeah, fingers crossed. But welcome to the Mama Mama podcast. This is not a footballing podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name is Amy. I'm a single parent of two lovely girls who are aged 10 and 7. And uh, I became a single parent six years ago now. And a few years ago I thought I'd really like to do a podcast about being a single parent and shine a bit of a positive light on it because... It gets a lot of bad press, but actually, if you're in a bad relationship, you're better on your own, and it's, it hasn't got to be the end of the world, trust me. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So anyway, I thought I'd do a podcast about um, being a single parent, and it's kind of evolved now into a just really nice chat every week <laughs> with someone that I find really interesting. So this week, I'm lucky enough to be... Uh, joined by the lovely Jane who she's actually my cousin's best friend but she's a trade union rep so she's very very much up on her workers rights especially female workers rights but also she's a running fanatic and she coached me to do a half marathon earlier on in the year but Jane is one of the funniest people I know so I thought she'd be great to come on to share her knowledge about all things rights and running but also because she's so entertaining and she did not disappoint as you will find out in a minute this podcast is brought to you by the lovely golding accountancy who are the best accountants in the world ever we are golding.com love you ian who is my friend has broke his leg playing squash <laughs> so 
this is one of the many reasons why you shouldn't uh, play squash. Sorry, that's I don't not put my phone on silent. My phone does not stop, as does, well, no one's does, does it? Anyway, I'm going to stop talking and let you have a good old giggle to the lovely Jane. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Work. Go on. When they sleep all day, don't have any of that. Yeah, that's true, actually. That is true. <laughs> I can't believe he's 17. Yeah. I feel like he was just going to senior school. Yeah, it's crazy. He's so basically it... slept through lockdown. <laughs> and I just thought... Oh, what is the point of arguing with it? Why bring that conflict into the house? Like, I go to bed and he's still up. And then I get up and go, turn it off. You know what, Mum? I think, oh, well, just leave it. What's he say? He's playing online. Yeah. Uh, my friend's got exactly the same problem. She's got three of them. Yeah, I've given up. I just thought, oh. when you go back to school and you're tired yeah. and you're cranky, it's your fault. Yeah, I have to deal with it. So that's, I just gave up. Sorry, Jane. When I was about to run with the thingy, the shower with the thingy went down. So I've just got to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the end of the world. The shower's collapsed. Can you stop running around? You sound like an elephant. That's all I can hear in my headphones is you stomping around on the ceiling. The entire sh shower rail has collapsed completely, like it's all broken. <laughs> it, is, it like couldn't be any worse. Do you know what I mean? Someone I thought was she made off of it. Yes, <laughs> it was just in the bath. Everything's in the bath. I thought that the um, shower had come out of the thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it fallen yeah. down. I didn't realise the whole shower rail had <sighs> collapsed into the bath. That's one way to get out of washing. Yeah. <laughs> She'll try anything. I'll show you. Tell me to watch it. <laughs> oh, so today I'm joined by the very lovely Jane Jeffrey. 
<laughs> that's not is that your what's your major you jane mcdonald or is that the no, singer of the cruise ship andrews i can <laughs> sing better than her when i have a drink <laughs> oh, i think like i a whitney now <laughs> uh, jane does a very good thing in the world i think anyway and I wanted to get you on to talk about everything that you do, but also because I'm training for a, to do a half marathon. By the time this comes out, I would have done it, but you've been helping me with my running and I wanted to talk to you about running as well because I really don't like it <laughs> and I don't understand why you do it so much. I like running for half an hour, but anything more than that, I just, it's so boring. Well, maybe you haven't got the family that I've got. You know, when I say I'm going for a training run and I'm out the house for four or five hours, maybe it's the husband. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, get me out of the house for half an hour is no good because I'm in mm. it and I have to do housework and talk to the family. But, yeah. you know, I'm going out for half the day to run. Jobs are good at <laughs> That is true, actually, because I do... I like it because it's just that time to myself and I do yeah. I appreciate that and I miss it when I don't do it and obviously I appreciate like the physical health benefits as well like I, it does make me feel good but it's just the an hour yeah okay but over that I just feel like it's such a long time I just can't get my head around it really I guess well it is a long time isn't it really but let's yeah. not kill ourselves. And, it, you know, if you start to commit to that longer distance, that marathon distance and beyond, you're looking at running for a working day or a large chunk of it. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it's the same as when you first started running, when you're first coaching someone and you say to them, can you run for 90 seconds? And they do the first 90 seconds. And when you ask them to do it again, they're practically crying. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually they're running for half an hour and yeah, still yeah. practically crying and then it, it, <laughs> and you, you you just it, you expand that period where you can tolerate that awfulness <laughs> and then when you get used to it you can sort of begin to enjoy it and you can look at the blossom on the trees and you yeah. know the clouds and you can, I couldn't think of anything worse of doing it in an air-conditioned gym with a low ceiling on the treadmill. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is nice, it is nice to be outside. And I do, like, I've discovered places that are close to me because now I'm, I'm running for longer. I need to find routes that kind of take me that far away from home to then come back again. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not just running around because during lockdown, I was just literally running around my block because obviously the kids are at home, so. yeah. I couldn't be too far and that's a kilometre all the way round. So I just used to keep running around that. But now I'm going on the longer runs. The sooner I get to home, if I've then still got to go that bit further, I find it really hard because it's like... Yeah, I don't home. like adding on when I get home. Yeah. I'd rather plan an eight mile route. So this weekend, um, I'm going to take Jamie to do some trail running. Um, and she gets very up. Sometimes I've made her cry, to be fair, with my... It's not a big hill. It's just a slight incline. Um, <laughs> I'm not running that. Um, but we've got a new route. But she wants to do six miles, but I planned eight. Yeah. Because I'd rather walk back with her 
then get back and have to, like you say, run around the car or, you know, yeah. find a, a little alley that you're up and down 15 times. So yeah. I'd, I'd always rather have that walking bit. Yeah. Extra time on feet and it is building stamina. But um, she does struggle with some of that quick change of route. We'll do a route and she'll hate it. And then three or four days later, she'll go, I want to do it again because she knows what's coming. It's that unknown with her. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did you when did you get into running? I well, I suppose I've run on and off forever, really. Okay. Um, it was mostly around kind of rowing, because I used to do rowing obviously, um, coming from the river background. So it was more of a cardio support to that sport. Okay. Um then you then I had Jamie and it was easy to fit a run around you know, childcare and, you know. Yeah. Then I stopped, then I started, and I sort of probably started again properly in about 2010, I think. Okay. Just running, um, running local, running up and down. Then I found out about Park Run um, in about 2014. So I started to Park Run locally. Do you do Park Run? No. No, so it's a um, it's a global kind of phenomenon now. Um, all around the world, nine o'clock Saturday morning. It's a free timed five k event. Okay. Um, that it's not a race; it's a run. But people do get some really good times. They always have a towel walker, so some people, um, you know, will use it. They'll use it as their couch to five k base. Yeah. And then I just started to expand the running, um, joined a running club, became a run leader, which is the first step, and then became a coach. But I, th I think Park Run is a fabulous kind. They then um, created Junior Park Run for kids, which okay. is two and a half K. And they, it's all got milestones. So the children get armbands, the adults get T-shirts when they hit their milestones. Um, and I became a run director for the junior park run locally. So we started to get, there was a group of us that got that off the ground. Um, it was led by one of our um, club sort of committee members and she asked a few local people. So yeah, it's, it's a good way to get to know people. And particularly with the junior park run, people take their kids because they understand about keeping fit. But then you see parents running around with the kids, um, getting fit because they've got to take their kids around the two and a half K and then the yeah. parents do the couch to five K. So um, don't let anyone ever tell you that running is a cheap sport, but mm. it's an easy access sport. And yes, yeah. For, for a, a while, our club run our couch to five K free um, and you know, I think in an area where there's social deprivation, where there's people that, you know, if you ask them to routinely commit to paying for parking, they just can't. Yeah. To yeah. have free access to that activity for it to be supported is just so important. Yeah. Um, particularly around the mental health thing. So. Yes. Yeah. And and for me, I, I just love it. I like setting myself strange little targets um, and... <laughs> sort of going for them. I've done, uh, I've run naked. Um, really? <laughs> that's 
probably. I, I kind of thought, marathon, anyone can do that. Ultra, yeah, naked. Let's give that a shot. Where well, did you do that? There's kind of a nudist camp in Kent somewhere. And I just thought, that pushes every boundary everyone's oh my got. God. But did your tits go everywhere? Yeah. I like to say I ran in <laughs> trainers and Chanel. <laughs> naked no no 5k it oh, was okay. a fast 5k yeah because the noise that the men's bits make slapping on their thighs when they're behind you <laughs> oh my god so you did it with other people yeah oh, oh that's brilliant that's brilliant when did you do that i don't know when i did that but Three or four years ago, maybe a bit longer. Wow. It was, it was liberating, but it was also yeah. the funniest thing I've ever done. It, like, if you've ever stood on a race start and everyone's there with their garments going, come on, pick up the satellite, pick up the satellite. And I kind of looking at my watch and then I sort of looked around me and thought, what am I doing? What? And then when they said go, and we started hurtling off down this hill, I just started to laugh and thought, I can't believe what you've got to got yourself into. My husband was like, it's going to be full of pervs, you know. I was like, okay, well. <laughs> I'm sure if there's a crowd of naked people, there's other people to perv on but me. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. What other things have you done? Um, <laughs> Not that you can top that, obviously. That's a difficult one. Um, oh I did, I've set myself um, 12 half marathons in 12 months. Right. Which I did twice in, um, it took me 20 months to do 24 half marathons. Wow. Um, then I did 20 half marathons in 2020, which in case it's escaped you, was a year of a global pandemic, so we couldn't <laughs> run for six months. Um, but I still got 20 half marathons in last year. Oh, my and God. One marathon. How many marathons have you run? I have run 17 full marathons. Fuck off. And two ultras. What's an ultra? Over, uh, officially, it's over like 20... 6.2, anything over a marathon distance, but really you're looking at over 30 miles. You but, really don't like your family, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, you know, I mix with people who have done 100 marathons and not one or two people, like crowds of them. Wow. Um, I did a, a marathon in Bath, which is the longest underground marathon. You run through disused um, train tunnels, which is amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and I ran it with, like, the world record holder of the most female you know, marathons. Oh, how many have you done? Oh, I'm just coming up to 800. Like, okay. 800? I'll sit here as a novice with my, you know. Yeah. Wow. So, you, you know, when when you're mixing with those types of people all the time, it, yeah. it does become the norm. And then you kind of yeah. say to someone that's normal, oh yeah, I've done 20 and they go, oh, but it is 
kind of normal. But then you just, you do, you get used to it. Like, so before I started your lovely training schedule, I'd never run more than 10K. I'd never run for longer, like, than an hour, 15 minutes, maybe. But then now I'm doing more longer runs. I've got to do 13K today yeah. or eight miles. And I'm like, oh, that's an easy one. Because yeah. on Sunday, I've got to do 10 miles. And then the other week, I did 12 miles. So now I'm looking at that thinking, oh, this is an it's easy just... one today. Yeah. Whereas it's like, I'm doing more than what I used to two months ago. So it's funny how quickly you do kind of adjust to... Yeah, and again, as a, as a coach, you're looking at someone that's never done it and, you've, and you're kind of following that sort of progress of upping the miles gently, building the stamina and then tapering. But once you're there, I mean, some people do struggle with injuries and others don't. Um, but once you're there, it's just about keeping those legs ticking over. So you could decide to just just do 10 miles once a month and then whenever you fancied a half marathon, it's in the bag. Yeah. You know, once you're at that level. Yeah. It's, it's just about staying I don't think there. I will, but thanks. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I did um, Disney do like, uh, and I don't like Disney, but I just thought it's a challenge. So they do, in Euro Disney, they do a run weekend. So you do a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon all over the same weekend. Okay. So I was like, oh, I've got to go and do that. So we went and had a, fa a family holiday in Disney, which I also did all of the Disney walking around to the half marathon and the oh, 5K gosh. and the 10K. <laughs> um, and I just loved that kind of going away and doing something different. Yeah. And we got home and I was on a running Facebook page and someone mentioned the Marrakesh half marathon. So I shouted downstairs to Neil, have you ever wanted to go to Marrakesh? <laughs> Not really. So it's supposed to be really nice. <laughs> Literally 90 seconds later, I'd booked, <laughs> I'd booked the Marrakesh half marathon. <laughs> so we're going to Marrakesh. So we went and did that last oh, January. Oh, really hard doing it in the heat? Um, it was the change in temperature. So when we got to the start line, it was like three degrees and freezing cold. And then by the time I'd finished, um, it was like 23 degrees. So it was okay. that. Um, yeah, and anyone that has done any organized runs and has had to use the dreaded portaloos, I mean, run toilets are horrific because the runner's trots is a thing. Um, and the toilets in Marrakesh were just a million times worse. And I was really worried um, at needing to wee en route and not having the toilet. And normally I just jump in a bush, but I thought, you can't do that in a Muslim country, can you? I'll, no. you know, I'll offend everybody at the upgrade. So <laughs> there, I was really worried about running in that kind of, that unknown. Yeah. Most of our most of our organised runs we'll have toilets somewhere en route. Yeah. Um but I was literally running in the desert for some of it. So yeah, it, it was a it was a fabulous experience. Um I feel like they could have upped their game a bit with a medal. But yeah, it was great fun. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> I still think you're nutty. So how I know you, because you're my cousin's best friend. 
Yeah. And you had your first daughter when you were quite young, didn't you? Yeah. How 18. old were you? You were 18. 18. So, and you're not with the dad, are you? No. no. Um, so how was that, becoming pregnant at 18? Well, you've been in the relationship for a long time. For, I suppose for an 18-year-old. I've known him since I was 15. That's fair. Okay. Right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I, when I found out I was pregnant, it wasn't um, planned, as you can imagine. Um, and I've never taken the pill since because it's clearly like Russian roulette. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't trust myself. Uh, you know, I decided that if I was going to do it, it's not just for the baby, right? It's for the, yep. you know, the seven-year-old and the teenager and the, you know, the grown-up. We've booked um, the appointment to go and buy a wedding dress in August. So we're planning a wedding now. And I, I do feel far too kind of cool and trendy to be someone's mother-in-law. Um, and, and Neil started taking his pensions. So I'm also married to a pensioner. So I'm, I'm a little bit upset about these labels. <laughs> It's far too trendy. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'm going to do it. And yeah, I mean, we wasn't together long after she was born. Yeah. And I was on my own until she was five. I was seeing Neil, but I was very clear that he was not going to be part of her life. I d you know, I yeah. don't know. I'd end up with him. We married 20 years. It's another grown up thing, isn't it? Married. Um, I don't feel grown up and then you say those things and think who's that oh it's me yeah um, <laughs> so yeah so it was you know it was a struggle I worked full-time I went back to work she was born in the August and I went back to work on the Christmas Eve on a 12-hour shift wow and did 12-hour rotating shift pattern um which was awful especially Where after were you working I worked for the Port of London Authority then yeah so that was like on their little harbour launch. Then, then I've transferred to permanent days, which was just as hard because our day started at eight o'clock or seven o'clock. Yeah. Um, and when you haven't got family to help with childcare, trying to find childcare that's open, you know, at sort of six o'clock in the morning, you just yeah. can't do it. Um, so yeah, I've had all of the tears and the tantrums and the changes of childminders and, you know, it's a huge barrier to women, the hours that you work. It's not the job, it's the hours. And, yeah. you know, most people now don't work a nine to five, but the childcare is geared around, you know, my, yeah. when I moved to Kent, I had to pick a school for both of them that was outside, you know, a couple of mile drive away because I had to pick the school around the childcare and I had to be able to leave by seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So you end up with this kind of two mile commute to get them to the childminder because all of the local schools, the before school clubs were like eight o'clock. Yeah. That's no good if you've got, you know, a journey. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's got any easier now. No. Um, and, and that's the difficulty when, so in my job now, I'm, I'm a trade union officer. So sort of looking at the world of work, and, you know, in diversifying the workforce, we can get women in, right? We can get women yeah. into any job, we can get them trained, we can get them working. 
And then we have this, you know, caring responsibility kick in, which predominantly falls to women. You know, yeah. men say to me, oh, I've done the school run. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, who do they phone? You know, for me, when the phone call comes, oh, she's not very well, can you come and pick her up? And I'm out off South End in the middle of the river. Yeah. At least six hours away. Yeah. So, you know, the job has to change around those caring responsibilities. And it's not always about being a mum. It could be your partner, your sister, you know, yeah. a parent. And the, the second shift that women have to do on top of their job, which is full-time, you know, I worked full-time, but I was also a full-time mum. Yeah. Yeah. And that's tough. That is tough. And it's, and it's that mental capacity where you've got to be thinking, you know, I've got to pick up the prescription. I've got to get in new school shoes. I've got to make sure that I've got all of this done. And there's never a moment where you're not thinking of something you've got to do. Yeah. And, and that is, it's that mental grown, load thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you think there was that cartoon that they did about how, the mental load that women have because it's just yeah. const you're constantly thinking about the washing the food the after school activities the yeah. schooling and then that's just on top of if you're working and it is just 24 7 like you never like i i work from home so i do my housework i mean it's funny because lola's like oh, i wish you could get a, a proper job proper job where I'm out of the house so that when I come home I don't have to work because I work overnight like I've, yeah. the last two nights I've worked till gone 11 because it's half term so during the day I'm doing stuff with them so then I have to work at night but I was like but even if I did go out and do a nine to five so I didn't have to work when I got home I'd then have to do all the other stuff do yeah. you know what I mean so it's I'm, I can't I'm never going to have that time where I haven't got anything to do you have to like program in fun time don't you yeah and and there's that thing uh, you know I, I couldn't tell you what time my children started school or what time they finished because I never did the school run I dropped them yeah. off somewhere else and that was all done for me um I missed every sports day I missed every school play often missed you know all of those things that the schools go we're doing it straight after school there was lots of school clubs that they couldn't go to because the after school clubs didn't pick them up so that whatever way you do it, there's that mum guilt. Yes. That, yeah. You know, you know, they got things because I worked, but they didn't get things because I worked. And, yeah. you know, I, I've kind of learned not to feel guilty at all because it's just a wasted emotion. And You never win. Even if you no. were there, you'd still be doing other stuff. And then, you know, you, you can't, you can't win. It's never, and it's never enough for them. You could give them all your attention, you know, yeah. it's still never enough, is it? No. And, and I also think, you know, the, the child will remember the time that you sat at the dining room table or you, and, and made something or you watched a television program with them. They won't remember that they ate pasta and pesto four nights of the week, you know. No. Um, I used to live on that. That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, yeah, Thomas has got a nut allergy, so... Oh, that's probably... <laughs> Yeah. How did um, you find out he had a nut allergy, Joan? Um, <laughs> he ate a peanut off the floor in the pub. Could <laughs> write a book about, you know, <laughs> having his parent in fouls. 
He's met two, I think. Okay. He kind of gone under the table and he came up with this big elephant lip that, you know, is... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, and I just felt awful when I had to go to the hospital and say, it's off the floor in the pub. <laughs> and But again, you know, back when they was little... I never drunk when I was looking after them ever because I yeah. just did. I did not want to be that stereotypical, you know, single mum that turned yeah. up at A and E because you can't drive. So, <laughs> and I still ended up with those kind of frowny looks from my child eating off the floor. They all eat off the floor. Yes, they do. They was allergic to it. Yeah. <laughs> just so yeah. hard, I nearly killed him. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a long time before. Like you realised that you had the allergy, though. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought. By the time they got to that age, you thought they would have shown some signs, wouldn't you? Well, so there's no reason for you to think that, that you would have. Again, it's all that kind of control of women, isn't it? You know, when you're pregnant, you can't eat this and you can't do that. And and mostly, when you look at the number of women that get ill from eating bloody pate, you know, <laughs> it's just you might as well get struck by lightning. But it's all of those yeah. rules that society put on us as women to make everything harder. Yeah. Um, and at the time with, you know, Thomas, it was don't give them peanuts because the size of the peanut can block their windpipe, which I assume is still the same. And also don't give them peanuts because they're likely to get an allergy. Right. So, you know, you follow all those rules just to put all that stress on yourself. Yeah. Um, and he still ended up with an allergy. Has so, he still got it? Do you have them for life? Not allergies. Peanut, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, it's that kind of stepping out into the world for him. You know, I carry the EpiPens because they're not small. Um, yeah. And then when he, got, when he went to secondary school, it was about giving him that responsibility. Ultimately, he's an idiot boy that's growing up. You know, the first time he went to creams, which is a no-go for people with nut allergies, all his mates ordered bloody ice creams with nuts on. And you're like, oh my God, Thomas, they know. Oh, you know. Um, <laughs> what happened? Did he have. He didn't have reaction? anything. No, thank God. Um, come home with kind of swollen eyes and needing antihistamine. Yeah. And again, you know, Indian food, if you look at most of the fatalities that happen, it's after people have gone to an Indian without their EpiPen. Right, okay. And so Thomas knows absolutely he does not step foot into an Indian. But you can imagine the yeah. first lad's night out, can't you? Where are they going to yeah. end up? Yeah. So, and the EpiPens are kind of, you know, quite long. Yeah. And they don't fit easily into a handbag, leave alone yeah. a lad with... Yeah, I bought him one of those little crossbody bags so he looked a bit like a drug dealer. Yeah, trainers on, and <laughs> <laughs> he won't wear it. And I just think, oh, oh, there's another grey. Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? You can't parent them forever. No. So, no. so how did you get into your job thing? So you started off working on the river. Yeah. What did you do on the river? Um. So I worked. Not lots and lots of stuff, but. Most of my career on the river, I worked for the PLA in their salvage department. So it's, it's really difficult if people don't 
aren't nautical in any way, but it was a big boat with a crane on it and winches on it and anchors. Um, and it, if something sunk, we would retrieve it. That was part of our job, but also nice. kind of maintenance and overhaul. So a little bit like highways maintenance, you know, making sure okay. the river was safe. Um, and the workplace is union organised, so I became a shop steward uh, and branch secretary. Again, you know, in terms of union stuff, I was a branch secretary at 19, which is wow. unheard of. Um, what was the... How did, why did you work in the river? Were your family on the river? Yeah, granddad, yeah. dad, brother, um, disadvantaged childhood, really. <laughs> I didn't see any difference. <laughs> didn't think there was anything... Yeah, weird yeah. or strange about it um and I was, what was it and, like and being then, a woman though in that environment were you the only one yeah i was the first woman ever to be employed um ever 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 wow so what was that in 1990 something Nin 1993 i left school i think 94 okay i think last century yeah. <laughs> shut up <laughs> um well, that, but that's not that long ago is it no and it's quite strange because all of the challenges that i faced you know in my job i look after predominantly male dominated workplaces and you find the odd woman in them and they've got exactly the same challenges yeah. you know ppe one size fits all means one size fits all men not yeah. us um <laughs> and you know if it's if you're talking about sort of life jackets and survival sorts, these are going to keep you alive if something goes wrong. If you're talking about harnesses, so, you know, we have to kind of switch on that PPE is made to fit men. And as women, we need to make sure we get what fits us. You know, wearing yeah. boots one size bigger with big socks is not appropriate. Yeah. You know, access to toilets. Some of the boats I worked on didn't have toilets, so it was a bucket. And even today, 40% of female seafarers can't dispose of a sanitary towel. Seriously? Yeah. You wow. Know, many, many women that work in sort of the transport sector, so buses, lorries, you know, maritime, can't get easy access to a toilet. Yeah. Um, it's, getting, it's getting better, but... A couple of summers ago, meeting with women, bus drivers, lorry drivers, dock workers, were still saying exactly the same. Can't get uniform. Can't get access to a toilet. No. I've never considered that, being a bus driver. When do you go to the toilet? <laughs> and, it, and it's easier for men, right, anatomically. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah. Maybe not nice. I'm not saying they enjoy it, but... You know, if women hold themselves, you're talking about infections and yeah. you know, period problems. It's not nice. It's gross. And the argument, of course, is if we uplift those standards for women and give access to toilets, the men's working lives improve as well. And we, yes. you know, experience yeah. that, you know, shower facilities, toilet facilities, lockers, even some of in some of the buses like the camera that watches how the driver drives the bus they didn't take into account the fact that the camera might be looking at their feet on the brake pedals and accelerator but the women bus drivers wore skirts yeah so you know it's all of those things that the world doesn't think of because the world thinks like a man 
Yes, yeah. And it is, you know, we're still hearing the same thing. Why didn't you think about what you wanted to do before, you, you know, if you wanted kids, why did you do this job? Um, yeah, but you're not as strong as me. You can't bend this and you can't lift that. And, it, you know, it is, it's st still there. Yeah, yeah. And then combine that with the working hours and the woman does all of that training. But, you know, I work with some industries where it's contractual that you do standby so that you provide 24-7 cover. What yeah. woman with a child can commit to that? Yeah. yeah. And more often than not, increasingly now, and rightly so, men struggle because their partner may go out to work while they're not at work. So yeah. but if people really think that they live in an equal society, they're not paying enough attention. And, and you know, that's just, as a white woman, I've got a privilege that, you know, women from the BAM world haven't got. Yeah. If you're disabled, um, if you're from the LGBTQ community, there's so many challenges out there. Yeah. Um, you know, the pay gap. We're publishing a pay gap. And most women will go, oh, yeah, my company's got a 20% pay gap. And you're not angry about that? Oh, well, no, it's because the men pilots, for example, are crowded in the higher paid jobs. And women are predominantly cabin crew and admin, right? And we're not angry about that then? So yeah. it's the, whole, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. whole thing that as we take our girls through schooling, you know, the, you know, the movement around STEM is amazing, getting women into, you know, science and maths because they're the higher paid jobs. And, but predominantly women will be crowded in sort of English, you know, social sciences that then invariably puts them in the lower paid industries. Yeah. And if we're looking at a pay gap, I mean, there's a whole science around that, but that's not an equal pay audit. And we need mandatory equal pay audits in this country to really show that men and women are being paid differently. And that, you know, there's been a big case recently at the supermarkets where before, if you worked in the supermarket for Tesco's, you were unable to compare yourself to the warehousing because they were different entities, or they're owned by the same company. So those women have had to go to court to get the right to compare themselves to those men. They haven't won their equal pay claim. Um, and these things take, you know, 10 years if you're lucky. So we, yeah. need, we need legislation that makes companies do these equal pay audits. You know, a woman that, if you look at what the, the women in the supermarkets have been through, you know, violence abuse yeah no that is equally risky on a level to their male counterpart in a forklift truck that is thinking about you know the actual mechanics of that forklift truck and that dangerous environment they're, they're yeah. comparable yeah you know the the male have been dry been refuse men refuse women refuse workers covered in your rubbish every day yeah that's comparable to the female escort in the um school bus that's having the child throw up on her so yeah you know these comparisons should be able to be made across sectors and, and there's so much inequality in our world um that we should not give up the fight so is that why you got into 
So when you became a union rep when you were 19, yeah. so you obviously had a passion for it. But was that because of the injustices, injustices, injustices? Same things. <laughs> I got, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that you faced when you were working, did you find a lot of discrimination? Yeah, but what, you know, what you do in a workplace where you're putting up with crap daily about being, and you know, when I started work, I was 16, 17, I was a young girl, you know. Yeah. People asking me about my sex life, people making comments about how I looked, you know, having the deck hose turned on me so your clothes go see-through. Um, you know, people accidentally walking in when you're getting changed. Comments that you're not strong enough. Comments that I wouldn't let my daughter do it. But I had that burning desire to do that job. Yeah. So, so do I, as a woman, young woman, report that to an elderly man? Yeah. Yeah. Who then goes to human resources at the time, which was men, to be investigated yeah. by a man. Yeah. And then all the people that I'm working with go, we're not working with her because she's trouble. So yeah. I did what most women do, put up with it, joined in a bit, and just carried on regardless. Yeah. And most of the women that I represent in terms of harassment and discrimination will say exactly that. I've joined yeah. in with it. I've joined in with it for the last three years. I've tried to become one of them. And you know what? After three years, it's not got any easier and I can't cope anymore. Yeah. I can't do it. And then you're trying to get past that. You know, anyone that stood in a pub and had a conversation around the Me Too movement, oh, well, you're just being snotty. You've just not got a sense of humour. I don't know, you know. Yeah. But that's your place of work. Yeah. And, and so it, for me, it became not, and I loved the people that I worked with, and I still do love them all, but they needed educating. Most of them had yeah. never worked with a woman. They didn't know, yeah. you know, that kind of gross locker room banter. They didn't know that that was unacceptable because it had never had to be unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and there was a few amazing, amazing um, men that supported me and encouraged me. And, and I think that they're in every workplace. You've just got to find them. Yeah. And, and we need to, you know, we need to challenge. And I kind of thought when I got old, it would be different. But I'm now older and it's still the same. Yeah. Men talking over you. You know, men deciding you're incapable of being able to introduce yourself at a meeting, so they'll do it for you. <laughs> or they'll introduce you in a different way to what you've just introduced yourself. Um, yeah, so I've, I'm just a little bit unbold. I stick the elbows out and, and say what other people don't want to say. Um, yeah. So how long did you work in that job for? Um, I was afloat for 15 years. Wow. Yeah. So you put up with it for 15 years. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then you go into the trade union movement and you're tackling that on behalf of other people. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, someone said to me recently, not recently in a pub, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But 
in the last sort of three years, oh, I don't see the value of trade unions in the modern workplace. And I think, mm, you know, you stand in the feet of some of the people that we represent, whether it's, you know, sickness absence because, you know, from cancer, mental health, yeah. you know, that would undoubtedly these people would lose their job if they didn't have an advocate sat next to them because they've got other stuff on their mind. Yeah. You know, harassment, discrimination. Um, I spoke to a young fella during lockdown and he said I was the first person he'd spoke to that believed what he was facing was racism in the workplace. No one gets it. You know, and to say to somebody, I believe you, is just such a weight off that yeah. their shoulders because they've yeah, carried yeah. this. And it is that thing, is it me? Should I have a better sense of humour? Yes. You know, yeah. it, there yeah. is that sort of, you convince yourself that it's you. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's, it's easier, it's isn't not. it? It's easier to believe that because it's horrible to think that Yeah, the other way, isn't it? Yeah, I, I did um, a seminar recently and it, this, this woman said to get on, she, she was um, a black woman in an engineering sort of capacity and, and she, yeah. was, she sort of promoted that. She was sort of a, belonged to a group that empowered, you know, people from underrepresented backgrounds to get into engineering. Yeah. And we was, we was talking about um, blind recruitment and, and I've had the argument, well, that's all very well, but at some point it's not blind, is it? At some point that prejudice comes in. Yeah. And she says she uses the phrase, to get on, you have to get out. So you can be recruited into an organisation, but you are, at the end of the day, a black woman. Yeah. And so for her to get on, invariably, she had to seek promotions outside of all of the different companies because the day-to-day -day prejudices came in when she stayed at a company. And so it's not easy. There's no easy fix, is there? But we, no. but I think with the, with the Me Too movement and the Black Lives Matter, I think what we have to do is get people to acknowledge first that there's a problem. Yeah, far yeah. too many people yeah. in society don't. Far too yeah. many people don't. Uh, yeah. It's not systemic in society. Yeah. Well, they've just um, said, haven't they? They've just said that the government isn't racist. <laughs> the government said they weren't racist. <laughs> no, we're not racist. Yeah. And the people, I've, I've got friends who are, they're good, nice people, but they don't think that racism is still a massive problem in this country, even though they wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily class them as, as racist themselves, and they definitely wouldn't class themselves as racist. But for me, I'm like, well, I don't understand. I, I, I don't know if they choose to see it like that because it's too much of an issue for them to see that it does still exist. Because it's horrible, isn't it? It's absolutely it's yeah. the worst thing. It's awful. And I just don't know if they want to keep themselves in these nice bubble where they just think, oh, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, you know. But it's like until people accept that there is still a massive problem we're never going to be able to get past it. Yeah. And, and I will not be told by a man whether I have experienced harassment. Yeah. That is not his right. Mm. So I would not tell someone 
that they haven't experienced racism. Yeah. Because yeah. I've got white skin, so I can't. And, and yeah. it, it yes. comes from yeah. the first place of listening, you know, what we've learned about child abuse when, you know, we said to kids, oh, don't be silly, that person's famous, that person's too powerful. Yeah. Believe yeah. the victim, believe the yeah. target. And that's the first step to fixing stuff. Yeah. And we're not there yet. No, we, we're really not. And, not. and I don't know whether that will age out. I mean, you know, the Tories are dying off, which is a great thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, am I surprised that Boris Johnson, with all of his comments in the past, yeah. um, has said that they're not racist? I mean, yeah. it's ludicrous. And, yeah. you know, are we surprised that the royal family are racist? No, yeah. because they're built on the bloody empire. Yeah. You know, <laughs> come on, let's get with the yeah. programme. Yeah. Um, so, no, I'm not surprised, but I'm glad we're talking about it. Yes, yeah. And, and, we, and we've got to have those difficult conversations. And, and I think most people, like you've described, live in that bubble of privilege. Yeah. And they've never experienced it. And why would they want to make things uncomfortable? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I read, um, well, I'm not talking to white people about race. Yes. And I've recently read a book, I'm going to get the name the wrong way around, um, woman girl other okay and it's the most amazing book it's kind of like all different women telling their story but they're all in some way connected so it's a mother and a daughter and then it goes to the daughter's friend and but all of these women have got different sort of ba and backgrounds yes um and it's a really enlightening book but a lot of people wouldn't push their boundaries and read something like that yeah. So how do you educate people that don't really want to be educated? Yeah. 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 We, that is could, a big get, we could get rid of the Daily Mail. That would be a start. That would be a very big start. And then the Sun. That would yeah. be another good start. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it is in it is in society. It's it's everywhere. Yeah. It is. I mean, it is. It's, it's such a hard problem to solve isn't it because it it's ingrained in our society i suppose until all the people that benefit off of it and want it to continue kind of die out i mean i think the younger generation are definitely a lot more liberal and i mean obviously there are racist younger people but i suppose the yeah as time goes on it will get easier i guess i just I, don't I, know yeah. I think that when you have difficulties, you, you've got only got to look at history. When you have difficulties, politics moves to the right. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. and I think we've made a space for people to move to the right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was watching, what was I watching the other day um, about the police? And he, I think this fella was the first kind of, uh, I don't know whether he was the first black officer to make a certain rank or whether he was like their internal sort of empowerment group, of black officers, whoever he was in charge of. Yeah. That. He said that, the, you know, the Met has moved to the right again. And some of the views that years ago would have been not expressed are being expressed. And that that's that 
you know, when you go into the pub, people say things and, I mean, I, my husband looks at me and goes, please don't. Because I can't help but say, why did you just say that? Or you can't say that. Or, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, particularly around Brexit, I love politics. I watch it like, you know, most people watch the World Cup. And when we was in the pub and someone would say something, I will engage in that debate. I'm yes, an asshole. Yeah. I won't get yeah. personal. It won't turn into a row. But my husband just rolls his eyes. Oh, dear, here she goes. Um, but it's important to challenge those views. But it's yeah. scary how open people feel they can be yeah. with every ist you've got on the spectrum yeah. in public. You know, they don't know who they're talking to. They are assuming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel comfortable and confident enough to challenge it and, and it makes yeah. people cringe and i think that politics and religion should be spoken about in pubs yeah yeah if it was if people were challenged in a in a polite way i think politics has got nasty um if if people were more confident to challenge those smaller comments yeah it, it might slowly change the world but by the same token you know, women have been fighting for equal pay since the 1900s and we still haven't got it. Yeah. So, you know... If but at least people at, are talking about it. Yeah, you know. And that's the thing, change, it, change does take a long time, I guess, but I suppose at least if we're kind of having the conversations, it's better than ignoring it and not saying anything. Like I always say something because you have to say something and it's the little things. Like at our gym... There's a movement that we do and it's called a man maker. And I kick up such a stink about it because it's like 90% of the people at our gym are women. I don't want to be a man. The women, I know a good few women that are stronger than all of the men. You know, it's, I'm like, you can't call it that. It's, it's, it's making so many implications, you know, but they, they take the piss out of me. Because it's, oh, it doesn't matter, it's only a name. But it's like, but it it's, does. Those, those things matter, you know. Yeah. And it's getting, uh, it's yeah. our local gym, you know, the flash adverts, as their adverts, not has not one picture of someone that is anywhere other than white. Really? Mm. And I notice those things. Yes. I notice yeah. those things. Yeah. And I think to myself, you know, if I, what would I think of that? What, what message, you know, if I was the parent of a child that was mixed race or had black skin, what would I think of that? Yeah. You but know. it's not, you're not welcomed, are you? You're not represented and you're not welcomed. Job titles that are, have got the term man in it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I sit with directors and chief executives and I'm sure they go, oh, here she goes, she's off on one. But gender <laughs> neutralise it. It matters. Yeah, it, matters. it does matter. It, it does, does matter. matter. And, and it is those baby steps. I mean, you know, I want a giant leap. I'm not interested in your baby steps, but we're stuck with little baby steps, aren't we? But yeah. certainly, you know, some of the people that I work with, you know, you notice some of the fellas starting to not use the male when they're talking about a job title, you know, to start to say stuff around 
facilities and all of those things and you think you're learning yeah and I also we was running um, an education course on equal pay and I wanted the people there that would say anything without thinking about it I wanted those comments made yeah and it was really enlightening to have people approach me and say I want to come on the course because I don't understand it and I've got daughters and I need to and so I, we can we can educate people, yeah, in the right way. Yeah. But I, I think that we have to have the conversations. And yeah. and there's many, you know, there's many women. I listened to one a couple of weeks ago, say, you know, I'm an accountant, and I've worked in all sorts of industries, and I've never had a problem with men. And I think it's about attitude. And I just thought, wow, 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 lucky you, <laughs> yeah, lucky you, yeah. And I think if you spoke to her, she would very quickly identify that, yes, she has had problems, yes, yeah. But again, it is, you know, it, it, it is about all of my daughter's friends call themselves feminists, young women are, you know, and young men are engaged with feminism, yeah. I think feminism needs to really think about, you know, it's all women and it can sometimes be seen as kind of a middle class movement. So, and I think this sort of wave of feminism is coming from a good place. It's coming from a everyone fits place. Um, And and the education's good. The education's good. But my worry is that we need to be more than just sharing stuff. There needs to be that political push behind it. Yeah. Um, and, and these young women and young men need to get in, because it's not going to change without politics. It's no good kind yeah. of shunning politics because that's yeah. how the, our country's glued in. Yes, and, yeah. you know, all of those things that are being fought for from, you know, gay rights to equal pay, there's, there, you know, even access to contraception and abortion. Yeah, yeah. There are people sitting in the House of Commons right now that will take that away from us. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, in power. Yeah. And we we can never, ever, ever forget that. That's, you yeah. know, we've got to, we've got to do a job of work and educate our daughters and our sons. Yeah. That we risk losing all of that if we don't, yeah. we don't keep pushing. Yeah. And that, you know, I always say it's not about smashing the glass ceiling. It's about reaching out and taking someone else with you. You know, as a woman, I am constantly trying to find women that I can develop, whether it's in running or, you know, at work, empowering women, sharing, you know, positive body image, being comfortable and confident. And that might be because I'm 40 free and couldn't care less what people think or what they say um but it's important to empower others around us not just be comfortable with what we've got yeah um and then again that you know back to running i suppose that's my thing you know i i want to coach women that have to juggle childcare and life with their desire to set themselves a challenge whether that's catch the yeah. pay or you know whatever it is and I, I think 
as a woman, you know, we all talk about self-care, but as a mum, you have to teach your children that they're valuable. Yeah. And if you're always putting yourself at the bottom of the pile and not doing what you want to do, yeah, what message are you sending those kids? So, yeah. you know, I think saying mum's going for a run, whether it's half hour or four hours, <laughs> and it's, and it's mum's time, teaches yeah. them that they're entitled to invest in themselves as well. Yeah. And it's important to. Yeah. It's important to have that. What's the word? Self-improvement. And with the exercise, it is so good for your mental health and it's a responsibility to look after yourself as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that's a really good thing yeah. to teach your kids. And, and when, you know, when people, people say to small children, what does your mum do? What does your dad do? You know, for, with all of the problems we've got with body image, for children to identify power and strength and yes. all of those positive things with the body yeah. is so important. It's such an important message. You know, my mum runs marathons. Yeah. We can all go, no, you know, no teenager likes their mum. No, you know, you've got yeah. all of those normal parent things, but there will be, that's something to say about your mum. Yeah. That my mum's in that one percent club. It's you know yeah. my mum. Yeah, my mum did catch to five k, and yeah, you know we all ate cake when she graduated. It's such yeah. a amazing. It doesn't have to be about crazy distances. Yeah, if you go from you know the sofa to five k, that's a huge achievement. It's massive. It's massive. You know, when people say we, we go for a run, oh, what are you running? Oh, I'm only doing 5K. There's no only yeah. 5K. You're running three miles. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. You might, I might be running six, but you're running three miles. You're lapping everybody on the couch. You're doing, your, you know, your mental health, your body. There's nothing bad about that. Yeah. It's important it is to recognise that and empower yeah. people when they're doing it. Yeah. It's a, no, it's a massive achievement. I think that's such a great thing. Because once you've done that, it makes you think, oh, what else can I do? Yeah. And for no. a lot of people, it's charity, isn't it? They'll find something and they'll set yeah. themselves. So not only are they improving themselves and doing something amazing themselves, they're also doing that for a good cause. Yeah. And that, you know, when they talk about, what is it, the 10 keys to happiness, you know, doing stuff for others, keeping fit. Yeah. As yeah. soon as you get into that support, you're kind of ticking all of those things. Yeah. It is a, it's an amazing thing to watch people do. Yes. Not naked. Not That was not amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. <laughs> I'm just going to keep thinking about the noise. But it was awful. <laughs> oh, God. And you're very conscious when you're queuing up for a drink afterwards that you don't body check anyone. <laughs> On the start line, someone bent down to do their shoelaces. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, God.
God, how on that bombshell? It's, twi- it's twice it's a year. <laughs> <laughs> In Kent. Uh, yeah. Wrong side of the river. <laughs> oh, thank you, darling. And, um, yeah, thank you. I don't know what else to You're say. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you've got to go for your run. I know. Oh, God, yeah, thanks. All right. Bye. Hi. (laughs) When I edited that, I was crying, even though I'd obviously already had the conversations with her, but just the image of her doing that naked 5K. (laughs) I mean... Oh, I love you, Jane. I love you so much. Thank you for sharing your story and just making me laugh and being an awesome person. And I, when I started running, I did not enjoy it. And now it's part of my mental health routine. I, and I miss it when I don't do it. I've not actually, I actually went for a run the other day. So I did the half marathon in May and I've not run for a couple of months because I've done something to my ankle, but it's, it doesn't hurt. It's just really swollen not really swollen, swollen, it's not too bad, but I went for a run the other day and I was like, I've really missed this, So and I hated it, so there is hope for everyone, and the Couch to 5K, she coaches people, because she loves it, and she knows how good it is for you, and anyone can run, well, actually, not anyone can run, but if you can run, then you should give it a go, yeah, I'm a bit hyper, I've just had a cup of tea, Sorry. Anyway, fingers crossed for later. Enjoy it. Wouldn't it be bloody lovely if they did it? So, yeah, fingers crossed. Next week, who have I got on next week? Let me have a little look on my computer. Oh, I've got something exciting to tell you. So, if you've not listened to my episode with the Epic Life Coach yet, listen, because Nikki is a legend. But we are coming together to give advice to single mums who with an array of issues um just from our own experiences of how we've had to deal with life and dealing with um our children's fathers and just well there's a lot of things that obviously we have to deal with as women so she's given me advice in the past about um dealing with a situation with my girl's dad and i thought the world needs nikki the world needs her advice so I've asked her if she'd fancy doing some like advice sessions with me and we're going to film them and put them up on the internet <laughs> on the internet um so yeah you'll be able to see those soon but if you've got anything you'd like advice on or a situation that you have experienced and would like to know Nikki's point of view on it or if something's coming up and you'd like some advice on how to handle it Get in touch with me or Nikki. Um, we're on socials, obviously. My email is mummamamapod at gmail.com. She's the Epic Life Coach on Instagram and Facebook. I'm mummamamapod on the same. So, yeah, get in touch. And next week, I'm going to put out the Gail Porter episode. I was lucky enough to talk to lovely Gail. Legend. And I'm going to put her episode out next week because she's lovely and we all love to hear it. So, yeah. Have a wonderful week. Work. Take care. Stay safe and sane. Big love to you all. Thanks Work. for listening and please share this podcast. Take care. Bye. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.